Hey, look, it's another edition of the Basketball Reasons Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Diamond, the Black Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Leroy Tolstoy. It's been a while since our last episode, and a lot has happened in the league. You know, talking about current events isn't normally our prerogative, our MO here at Basketball Reasons, um, but there was just so much going on this summer with free agency and trades, and yet... None of that matters, because the only thing that matters is that LeBron James is a Los Angeles Laker. I could care less about Boogie to the Warriors, because it's a one-year deal. Uh, Less, even more, about Kawhi to Toronto, because he will also leave after this season, and on the off chance that both Toronto and the Lakers make it to the finals, I know that the Lakers are getting a ring, because LeBron doesn't lose to Toronto. Uh, But but in all seriousness, the Lakers signing of LeBron brought up some some tired arguments from your, your your basketball analysts and your favorite NBA Twitter accounts about the thought process behind LeBron's decision. Like, like why would he go to L.A.? I have some thoughts, to quote uh, Darius Soriano. The issue for me is this. For years, Los Angeles Lakers fans were told that we were delusional, that the front office was having pie-in-the-sky fantasies, that Mitch and Jim couldn't get it done, that Los Angeles was no longer a free agent destination just by virtue of being the beautiful, sunny, carefree paradise that is Los Angeles, California. And while the world was telling us that, quite quite conceitedly, quite meanly, I might add, uh, we lost a lot of basketball games. Uh, enough to acquire not one, not two, not three, but four lottery picks uh, in the process. Now, some of those lottery picks no longer play for the team. And some of those ancillary draft picks, the, the later first rounds and the second round picks, no longer play for the team either. But their presence and their performance on the court and their value was instrumental in creating both the roster construction and the salary cap situation that attracted the best player in the world to the form blue and gold. Uh, But now, for some reason, the narrative is shifting, right? Now, people want to say that, of course, LeBron was going to go to the Lakers, even though he had, you know, we had no idea he was going to because we've just hoped he'd, he was going to in 2010 and 2014. People want to say it's not about the core or the extra max slot in 2019 or the extra salary cap space for another impact player in 2019. It's not about the initiative that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka showed in creating the situation that they wanted. It's not about Jesse Buss and his staff scouring both the, the ranks of the NCAA and the international basketball landscape alike for diamonds in the rough. No, 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 no. They're saying it's just about L.A. He wanted to live in L.A. Well, I'm calling bull****. You can't maintain that Los Angeles has lost its allure and luster for free agents and that Laker exceptionalism is dead. And then in the same breath, claim that when the best player in the world chooses to join the team, that Laker exceptionalism is the only reason that he joined. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Either you were wrong and LA has always been the premier destination and Melo, Andre Drummond, Dwight, and LaMarcus and others couldn't quote unquote handle the spotlight or the pressure of following in Kobe Bryant's shoes, or you could admit, finally, that Magic and Rob intelligently and strategically guided the team to this point after being enabled by Jeannie Buss's bold power move to regain control of the reins. I'm more partial to the second option, but if you're a Laker hater, I'll let you decide which one you want to choose, but it can't be both. Regardless, since this is the end of the free agency period, and the signings are winding down, and the Kawhi Leonard 
Leonard and DeMar DeRozan trade is probably the biggest move we're going to see for the rest of the summer. And I'm doing it a disservice by not talking about it here. I think the, the, the sort of Spurs lost the deal thing is kind of overblown. I think people are drastically underrating how good DeMar DeRozan is. Um, but whatever. Um, because of this, because we're in this time period, I want to take a, a look back at, at another sort of big possible acquisition for the Lakers uh, for this episode. One that didn't end up as planned, but definitely would have had a, a major impact on, on plenty of careers uh, in Laker history. So stick around after the break for another staple center story, courtesy of Basketball Reasons. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. What is up, Laker Nation? Now, as we all know, the Lakers are, are widely known and considered in the National Basketball Association as the preeminent free agent destination, or a reputation that I've always considered a, a little overblown, really, when you look at uh, uh, both recent and past history. Uh, of the Lakers acquisitions. It, it's one of those beliefs for me that stems more from, from perception or, or, or historical recollection or, or, or just, just overall misconception uh, rather than, than fact. Uh, for example, it's true that Shaquille O'Neal joined the Lakers as a free agent, but we, we looked at that situation already in a previous episode of the podcast, and we determined that there were plenty of things that had to go exactly the Lakers' way uh, for that to happen, and also exactly not, they were the exact opposite of the Magic's way uh, for that to happen. So we can look back at previous acquisitions to see that usually the Lakers have often gotten uh, a star players due to their ability to aggressively scour uh, the trade market and pounce on players when the opportunity has presented itself. So so let's let's take a look back. Let's take it back to 1968, right? Wilt Chamberlain, for example, was having a tough time in Philadelphia, having gotten knocked out of the playoffs six times by the Celtics. And I don't need to go into detail for any Lakers fans about how annoying it is to be knocked out of the playoffs by the Celtics over and over and over and over and over again. So uh, it, it sort of came to a head in the Eastern Division Finals, Game 7, actually, of the 1968 Eastern Division Finals. Wilt had a bit of an odd performance, to say the least. Wilt scored 14 points in the second half. In fact, he only touched the ball in the post 23 times in the entire game. For reference, Wilt averaged closer to 60 post touches uh, per game and was averaging 24 points a game that year. So that game itself was a little bit of an anomaly. You could probably uh, surmise that, that Wilt's motivation might not have been there. There might have been a little bit of a conflict within the team. And actually, we don't have to surmise that. There was actually hella drama that year. Uh, it's so much so that, that the coach uh, at the time left after, after the season for an ABA team, the Oakland Oaks, which is one of the dopest names in basketball history, the Oakland Oaks. Second, I mean, sorry, third, only two, of course, number one, the Los Angeles Lakers, and number two, the Virginia Squires. Shout out Virginia Squires. Uh, shout out Tony Squire. Shout out Squires basketball. Uh, back to the story. Jack Ramsey, the general manager at the time, says that Wilt forced a trade to Los Angeles, uh, but Wilt, of course, Wilt's side of the story details a little bit different story. Uh, you see, Ike Richmond, the owner of the Sixers during much of Wilt's tenure there, had actually passed away. Uh, during the 66 season. And according to Wilt, in 1965, in an effort to sort of bolster Wilt's commitment to the team, Richmond had promised Wilt a 25% ownership stake of the team once his career ended. Now, there was no written proof 
uh, of this offer, so to speak. But the coach of the Sixers at that time, Dolph Shays, uh, legendary Dolph Shays, and one of the Sixers' lawyers just, just sort of took Wilt's word for it. I, I don't know. That, that seems weird to me personally. Um, but I don't know, man. It was 1968. You know, shady stuff was happening. Maybe Dolph Shays and, and the Sixers' lawyers were just like, hey, we're not trying to lose Wilt. They knew Ike Richmond better than anyone else knew Ike Richmond. So, you know, maybe that's just the way it was. Um, but by the time 68 came around, the new owner of the team was basically just like, hail and all. And, and that was sort of one of the sources of Wilt's discontent, not honoring Ike Richmond's deal. Now, apparently, there were other motivations as well for why Wilt wanted out of Philadelphia. Um, amongst those reasons, Wilt sort of felt like he had outgrown Philly a little bit. Um, but also, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak to the veracity or the validity uh, of this conclusion, but apparently Wilt also wanted to date, uh, let's say outside of his race. Um, and for a seven foot black guy in the sixties, that had to be impossible in Philly and probably a little bit less impossible in Los Angeles. Um, with the hindsight uh, and, and sort of the wisdom of, of retrospect, we can look back and know what type of man Wilt Chamberlain was, and I'm going to leave that there. Uh, so I'm going to choose <laughs> to believe myself that maybe Wilt just wanted to date some white women. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Regardless, there were plenty of other circumstances that year that lended themselves to the trade. But I want to reiterate, that was an opportunity for the Lakers to acquire a, a disgruntled superstar. Now, we're going to talk about the pretty much the same thing again with Kareem. Now, Kareem, uh, at the time, was a three-time MVP at the time of, 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 of his request to be traded. Uh, he was a three-time MVP who actually won a ring with Milwaukee in 1971, uh, which is a, a fact that I, I tend to forget uh, from time to time that he actually won a championship before he even got to L.A. But I think it was four or five seasons in, uh, he's three-time MVP, won a ring already. I, I think he was sick of it. I, I think he just he requested a trade specifically to either New York or L.A. So it was obvious he wanted a big market. He wanted more shine. I bet he wanted more freedom. He wanted more autonomy. Um, you know, I... I got to be honest with you, this is a seven foot three time MVP, NBA champion in, in Milwaukee. I, I think he put in his time. I think he deserved to request a trade, especially if it was going to be acquiesced. Although, you know, Kareem at the time, he spoke pretty highly of Milwaukee and especially of the fans he had uh, in Milwaukee, of living there, of that city. But he also claimed that living there in that city, in the Midwest, quote unquote, didn't fit his cultural needs. Um, now, you can evaluate that however you want. Um, and if you want to debate my conclusion with me, uh, you can definitely tweet at me, send me an email, holler at me on Instagram. But I'm not going to lie, a seven-foot black man in the racially combative era of the early 70s in the Midwest, I'm probably siding with Kareem on that one. I can understand, at least, why he would want to get out. You know, I don't know, I can't understand why Kawhi would want to get out. I can surmise but Kareem, that I, I got to use a lot less induction. I, that kind of just makes sense to me. Quick aside, um, just because this is basketball reasons and you know I'm going to do this, uh, Kareem was actually relatively injury-free throughout his career. Pretty rare for a seven-footer. He actually even played 74 games in his last season with the Lakers uh, in 89. 
um, which is pretty amazing because twenty year career playing seventy four games in his last season. That's like uh, like I can I can imagine LeBron doing that, but other than that, today not really anybody else. Um, but he did have a couple of odd injuries while playing. Uh, specifically, he broke his hand twice. I don't know if it's the same hand, uh, but let, let's go over the injuries. Hand number one. During a preseason game in 1974, he got some contact from an opposing player. I'm not really sure. Couldn't figure out who he was playing at that time. Uh, but that, that, that contact not actually broke his hand. Uh, what happened was that contact, uh, the result of that contact, I should say, was that his eye got scratched. Uh, and he was so pissed that he punched the basket stanchion. And that is what broke his hand. Um, now, this is 1974. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what basket stanchions looked like in 74. Uh, I, I know that people have hurt things uh, by hitting basketball stanchion before. Or even seats. Shout out my man Ennis Cantor. Um, but man, that, that had to be a really rough basketball stanchion. Or he really punched the hell out of that basketball stanchion. Um, uh, the, the moral of the, the first injury, actually, is that that... Injury, the, the eye scratch, is actually the reason why he started wearing the iconic goggles, which I find fascinating. Um, because, I don't know, maybe the scratch was that bad, and he was like, man, I'm never having this again, ever. Or, maybe, you know, he just wanted to show that that eye injury was, in fact, serious because he was embarrassed because he went Amari Stoudemire on the basket stanchion and broke his hand. Uh, either way, the goggles, they, they were there to stay. I respect it. Hand number two. Uh, <laughs> the, the, this broken hand... He actually got, uh, during the 78 season, uh, as a Laker. It was actually <laughs> right at the beginning of the 77-78 season. Uh, unfortunately, uh, young Kent Benson, who was actually the number one pick of the 1977 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, if this story could get any more ironic, uh, apparently Kent got a little too chippy with Cap. A little too chippy. And threw an overly aggressive elbow that Kareem took offense to, you know that I'm quoting from an article here because it's overly aggressive elbow. Uh, but Kareem took offense to it. And by the phrase took offense to, I mean he punched Kent Benson so hard that both Benson's jaw and Kareem's hand were broken. Yes. Uh, keep in mind, this also happened two minutes into the game. That's the first game of the NBA season. So two minutes into Kent Benson's NBA career, he had his jaw broken by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, the the NBA did, didn't even suspend Kareem uh, because, you know, he had a broken hand uh, and he couldn't play for two months. So they were just like, all right, bro, that is your... Uh, <laughs> that's your punishment. So maybe Bobby, Bobby Porter should have swung a little harder at Nico. He would have kept that bread uh, and not be suspended. Kent Benson sort of had a, uh, a, 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 rough, a rough career. He never quite lived up to the potential, I guess, uh, of a number one draft pick. Uh, twice in his career, he, he was traded uh, for you know, someone that, that sort of had an impact on the team he got traded from. In 1980, the Bucks traded him to the Pistons for Bob Lanier. Uh, who would help the Bucks get to a couple Eastern Conference Finals appearances in the early 80s. Uh, and then in 86, the Pistons traded him. Uh, and Kelly Tripucka, who I, I didn't even look up to go down this rabbit hole because I was like a name like that. We're stopping right there. Uh, traded him and Kelly Tripucka to the Jazz for Adrian Dantley, who, of course, you know, helped lead the Pistons to the Finals. Um, that being said, Benson did spend 11 years uh, in the NBA, so... 
Shout out Kent Benson, if you ever heard this. We're getting back on topic now. The next big acquisition that the Lakers had, and, and obviously we're, we're this deep into, into the Lakers, we're obviously not talking about the draft because I've already skipped Elgin and I skipped Jerry. So I, we're not, and obviously we're not talking about Magic right now. Uh, so ignoring the draft, we're going to go straight to Shaq. Um, Shaq was, of course, an outright free agent signing, but as discussed previously on this episode and as well as on another episode, that was an entirely strange situation with cap rules that had never existed and won't ever exist again uh, in poorly timed public polls in the newspaper in an Orlando Magic front office that really wanted to piss off their best asset. So that, that was sort of a Hail Mary for Jerry West. Uh, one, that, one that he obviously succeeded on, but that could have gone oddly wrong at any time. So, that brings us to the main story of this episode, one of the biggest what-ifs in Laker history for me. Uh, now, it's actually quite relevant uh, when you think about where the Lakers are at now and where they have been in the past couple years. Uh, you know, The Lakers, historically, were more than willing to make moves on the trade block uh, when the opportunity presented itself, I'm pretty sure that 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 Will Chamberlain trade they traded like four guys to get Wilt. Although in the in the 60s, uh, you know, you're pretty much trading anybody if you can get Wilt Chamberlain. The man was an absolute freak of nature, and I I probably shouldn't say that because I know he hated being called a freak. Um, one of the reasons why he sort of had a contentious relationship with with the public, uh, you know. But also the same thing holds for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But as Laker fans will you know harken back to. Last year, uh, the Lakers gave up an opportunity to trade, you know, multiple players for a star level talent in Paul George. Um, ended up losing out on him entirely when he resigned with OKC. And as has just happened, as recently as this week, uh, the Lakers sort of removed themselves from the, the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes um, due to, you know, both the promise of the current young core and the cap situation, and also the, the Golden State juggernaut. Um, but in between Wilt, Kareem, Paul George, Kawhi, there was another opportunity to trade for. For uh, another player who was of star quality. So we are here on Basketball Reasons to Ask. What if Scottie Pippen had been traded to the Lakers? Now, I don't know if this is known. I didn't know this until somewhat recently. But this was a thing. Like this was a in, this was an idea, right? Uh, after the Bulls' second three-peat and, and Jordan's uh, Jordan's retirement, the Bulls didn't really want to pay Pippen. Now I get it. Uh, you know the Bulls were notoriously cheap at that time. Didn't want to pay Pippen. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there were like new escrow rules coming into effect in the next coming years uh, with regards to the salary cap and league finances that would have made paying Pippen uh, pretty expensive. But I, it's Scottie Pippen, man. Like, like I understand that he you know, sort of played second fiddle to Jordan. But you think about the season he had without Jordan, the, the 93-94 season, uh, averaged the most points he had his entire career, 22 points per game. Averaged the most steals he had his entire career, 2.9 steals. The most rebounds, 8.7 shots. You know, 49% from the field. I get it. I get it. It's a business. It's tough. But I'm just a bit surprised that the Bulls were so ready and willing to get rid of, of Scottie Pippen. Um, so, you know, the, the Lakers knew that Scottie Pippen was available. So they were trying to pull off some sort of sign and trade deal with the Bulls, which is exactly what ended up happening with Pippen, albeit to another team. Um, the main problem was Jerry Krause uh, was asking for Kobe Bryant, which was a complete and utter non-starter after the entire hassle that the Lakers had been through to get Kobe, you know, Kobe, you know, not working out for teams, uh, you know, sort of deflating his value intentionally, trading a star, not a star, but, you know, a high, a starter level talent, Vladi Divac. 
it just wasn't going to happen. Jerry West wasn't going to trade Kobe Bryant to Jerry Krause. Um, they were really, they being the Lakers, were really trying to get a deal done for Eddie Jones, Eldon Campbell, and multiple first round picks. Um, now, I, I, I understand maybe people don't understand, you know, it's it's Scottie Pippen. Why would they take that trade? But I, I like, let, let, let's look at this for a bit. Like, Eddie Jones was averaging 17 points per game. Um, you know, he was shooting 48% from the field. Keep in mind also when we talk about these dudes shooting 48% from the field, and also he was shooting 39% from three that, that year where, you know, uh, the Bulls didn't want to get him. That was good. Like, we didn't have analytics back then. If you were shooting around 50%, you were really good. And I don't even need to say that, honestly, because it was Eddie Jones. Like, we know Eddie Jones was good. He had an effective field goal percentage of 55. Like, the man was averaging three assists, two steals. I, I don't really understand uh, why Eddie Jones wasn't, you know, sufficient. I, I understand that, you know, they might have wanted somebody for the future, but Eddie Jones was a good player. And then we talk about Eldon Campbell, you know, big, big E, big easy. I don't know if people actually call him big easy, but I'm, I'm going to do that. Another solid guy play, played in 81 games, averaged 10 points, six rebounds, shot 50%. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed that up. Shot 56%, 46%. I'm sorry. Like this averaging two, two offensive rebounds a game and then multiple first round picks. I don't mean to harp on the, on the, the Lakers package, um, but I just wanted to give you that sort of background. It was those two guys plus multiple first round picks, right? Now, what the Bulls ended up trading Scottie Pippen for uh, was actually a package of uh, Roy Rogers and a second round pick in the 2000 NBA draft, who ended up being Jake Voskull. Not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. Um, Roy Rogers. Shout out Roy Rogers, by the way. Um, 22nd overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft by the Grizzlies. Um, My man played in the league for four years for four different teams. As a matter of fact, uh, he actually only played one game for the Bulls. One game. They traded Scottie Pippen for a dude that played one game and then was waived. Waived. I, I don't know, man. That just seems silly to me. Also, and it's not like, you know, that second round pick ended up being something crazy. Jake Voskull played, uh, he played nine years uh, in the league, but he played for five different teams. Uh, maxed out in 07 for Charlotte by playing, you know, 73 games, which is a lot of games, but never averaged double figures and points. Uh, 6.6 was his greatest average. Most games he ever started was 43 uh, for Phoenix in 2004. I, I would have personally rather have Eddie Jones and Eldon Campbell and multiple first round picks uh, but maybe there was some beef there I don't know Phil Jackson wasn't the coach yet so I don't think there was like you know a little bit of uh, of, of hard feelings I don't think it was a Kevin Pritchard situation where <laughs> I, I hate having to keep going back to Kevin Pritchard for these examples but I don't think it was a Kevin Pritchard situation where Jerry Krause was just like nah we're not trading him to the Lakers um but he had expressed um interest in going to the Lakers Pippen had um but regardless he didn't get traded to the Lakers he got traded instead to the Rockets for that Roy Rogers, Jake Voskull package that I previously discussed. Uh, now that trade received a lot of publicity. Um, that was his only solo cover of Sports Illustrated after that trade, um, but it didn't exactly start off on the right foot. Charles Barkley publicly said that he sacrificed a lot of money so that they could sign Pippen. Pippen's salary was $11 million, um, but you got to think it was Hakeem, Barkley, and Pippen. That would be absolutely amazing. It was not amazing. Uh, Pippen had a triple-double uh, and a loss against the Pacers, and that was really dope um but he later got detained for dwi um a houston police officer said that pippen had ran a red light swerving at 1 30 in the morning um and then they and then they brought him into the station and called the task force and everything and said that you know he might have been drunk 
uh, charges were later dropped due to insufficient evidence. Look, man, I'm not a historian. Uh, I don't really know how you could prove someone was drunk in 1999, uh, but I also don't know how you can say there wasn't sufficient evidence. I think that might have been a little bit of uh, a little bit of celebrity treatment going on there. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, the Rockets finished that lockout season, uh, lockout shortened season, excuse me, with a 31-19 record, third in the Midwest Division, fifth in the Western Conference, but they lost to the Lakers in in the in the playoffs in the first round of the playoffs, which had to suck for. Pippen like he wanted to go to the Lakers Jerry Krause ends up like I, I was gonna say ends up accepting a poo-poo platter instead of Eddie, Eddie Jones Eldon Campbell and, and number one picks but it's not even a poo-poo platter because Roy Jones I, I don't want to be disrespectful Roy Jones barely played didn't play at all honestly for the Bulls rarely played in the rest of the league and and Jake Voskul whose name I cannot say without stumbling over it apparently uh no disrespect did, did absolutely nothing for the Bulls didn't come to his own for another five six seven years after he came into the league and even then that you know much more of a rotation player uh, than an actual impact level player, especially when you think about the fact that you traded Scottie Pippen for him. So that's not even a poo-poo platter. That's just, that's just the crab rangoons with no crab meat and just cream cheese. Meanwhile, they could have had Eddie Jones and Eldon Campbell. I'd probably, that's, that's probably Egg Foo Young to me. That's probably shrimp Egg Foo Young. Now, that's probably how special Egg Foo Young with everything in it, all the proteins. Uh, I'm hungry. Anyway, the lockout shortened season ends. And, I mean, there was already chemistry issues. Barkley said that Pippen was, I'm sorry, said that he was disappointed in Pippen. Uh, Pippen said he wanted to leave because he didn't like the team. And then Barkley sort of lambasted him in, in public. He wanted an apology. Barkley wanted an apology from Pippen about the way he played and, and, and not wanting to be on the team and sort of not trying his hardest to 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 make it work and Pippen commented on the situation by saying uh I wouldn't give Charles Barkley an apology at gunpoint he can never expect an apology from me if anything he owes me an apology for coming to play with his fat butt uh he also said that the main reasons for wanting to leave were Charles Barkley's selfishness and his lack of desire to win I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention back then, but we all know the stories about how Barkley uh, was, you know, showed up to camp overweight, got into shape throughout the course of the season, gained a bunch of weight so he wouldn't get drafted by Philly. I, I, I can see him probably being selfish. Uh, so after one year, Scottie Pippen was back on the market. The only difference this time now is that, well, let's talk about what's the same. Scottie Pippen back on the market. Scottie Pippen also wants to play for the Lakers again. The main difference, however, is that the Los Angeles Lakers had just hired Phil Jackson, former coach of the Chicago Bulls, double three-peat team, as their head coach. Now, Pippen absolutely wanted to go to the Lakers. However, uh, the Lakers had already traded for Glenn Rice, who was making a little bit of money. It, it was going to be a tough salary cap situation. Keep in mind, because the Lakers had Glenn Rice, uh, you know, starting at three, Pippen was probably going to have to play four. And this isn't like today's NBA. This is like early 2000s, late 90s, like Pippen would have been oversized. Um, Pippen was also going to, 33, he was about to be 34. He had back surgeries. He wasn't in his prime. He didn't have a good year in, in Houston, although probably didn't have a good year because he didn't like playing basketball for the team he was playing basketball for, which another quick aside, I think sometimes when we look at players' performances, we we, we, we take things at face value that shouldn't be taken at face value. For example, um, you know, DeAndre Jordan, his year at Texas A&M, he had sort of an up and down season 
Houston at Texas A&M in his lone year there. And people were like, I don't really know if this guy's motivated. I don't really know if his, tr- his talent is going to trans- translate to the NBA. What if he's just a big guy? Um, turns out uh, DeAndre Jordan hated his coach and didn't want to play for the dude. Uh, so maybe that's why he didn't have motivation. And nobody figured that out. So I think context, 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 context always helps with figuring these things out. That's why I sort of think that, you know, Pippen, trading for Pippen would have been worth it. He would have been more motivated, uh, sort of playing for, playing for Phil again. I think it would have been worth it, but there were a lot of issues, like I said, it, it, specifically the salary. He, he signed for $11 million. It was going to move up uh, to about $14 million, uh, over over the next few years. Uh, they were going to have to trade the Lakers being they were going to have to trade Glenn Rice to the Rockets. Uh, Glenn Rice was also sort of disgruntled at the time with his playing time and his role in the team, and I, I don't know if you know the Rockets and, and, and Les Alexander and Rudy Tomjanovich were just going to trade one disgruntled guy for another disgruntled guy. Uh, also, the Lakers had like a $53 million payroll at the time of, of their sort of pursuit of Scotty. And the salary cap was like $30 million. Um, so they, they were completely hampered. They were going to need some favors from Houston to sort of be able to figure it out. Also, uh, the Lakers were trying to sign Charles Oakley at the time, which is absolutely amazing to me. Uh, I, I would I would love to imagine Charles Oakley, Kobe Bryant, and Shaq on the same team. Um, but that sort of gets me to, 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 the, to the crux of the issue. The Lakers could have traded for him, right? They could have tried Robert Horry or, or, or Travis Knight or, or even re-signed J.R. Reed at that time to sort of play power forward and, and let Scotty play the three, like he said. And, and Mitch Kupchak sort of said that that he liked, or, or sorry, we being the Lakers like our team. Um, but I think I think Scotty might have had a greater effect on the team than sort of just his on-court performance, right? This is a guy who, granted, Scotty had his own issues throughout his Bulls tenure. He requested trade. Maybe maybe not requested, but 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 insinuated or intimated that he was unhappy or wanted to leave the team and sort of mended his relationships back over the course of the year. So he wasn't a guy without his own drama. But also, you know, the Bulls won six championships, and, and we know from history that it's hard for teams to to stay together that long, especially with the same powerful personalities at the top being the best players and, and the head coach. And, and when you think about the near future at the time and how Shaq and Kobe and, and the team sort of disintegrated, you got to think that maybe having a guy like Scottie Pippen who knows Phil Jackson, knows what he wants, knows the triangle offense, and has also seen you know, how quickly and easily a team that, that looks like it will be unstoppable forever can fall apart. Now granted, they didn't fall apart quickly. Jordan retired, and then Jordan retired again. But Scottie would have known what 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 it looks like to have a, a team, a situation that's special. And he might have been able to keep things together a little bit longer. Uh, that's sort of my main fantasy of the situation. Um, Scotty had a, a type of experience that, for better or worse, no player on the team had. And not many players have in general. Uh, you know, if a guy wins six rings with one team, it's it's hard to imagine any player in history sort of winning that many rings or even close to that many rings and then going to another team and being able to impart that wisdom onto that team. It would have been invaluable, personally, I think. I believe it would have been invaluable. Um, but all in all, I think it was the finances that just, it just wasn't going to happen because of the finances. And because of that, uh, the Rockets uh, traded him to the Portland Trailblazers um, for six players, actually, which is amazing to me. Now, that wasn't actually the end of the story. Uh, the pl- the Trailblazers were actually thinking of then flipping Scottie Pippen to the Lakers uh, for Glenn Rice um, because th- th- they had sort of a post-up offense at the 
the time. They had they had Arvidas Sabonis. They had Rasheed Wallace. Um, and I think they were thinking that Glenn Rice, uh, being sort of the pure shooter that he was, could have fit into their offense a little bit better, and they would have paid him well um, rather than paying sort of an older Scotty Pippen. Um, but similar to the reason that the trade with the Rockets fell through, the Lakers just didn't have the salary to, to piece it together. And to be completely honest, like that was that was 1999, right? So the Lakers didn't really, the Lakers actually didn't really need Scottie Pippen that much. If you're listening to this, you probably know the Lakers actually played the Blazers in the playoffs in that 99-2000 season. Of course, beating the Blazers. Then, of course, you know, after beating the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals, proceeding to the NBA Finals where they beat the Pacers and then won the Finals again and then won the Finals again. So maybe not trading for Scottie uh, ended up working out, but you can't help but wonder uh, maybe Scotty's presence there could have held that 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 together a little bit longer Scotty probably wasn't the glue that held Chicago together but he was someone who saw the effects of winning and how detrimental it could be to your mental state of your team to just go through the motions over and over again and be held to the highest expectations over and over again and have teams gunning for you over and over again including the media and he might have helped the Lakers deal with that uh, a little bit better I think that's it. That's all the what-ifs I have for the Scotty Pippen to the Lakers. Just a fun little thought experiment. I probably spent more time talking about Kareem and Wilt than Scotty, but those were pretty fun uh, stories that I didn't really know before I looked them up and, and did the research for this episode. Um, so I hope you enjoyed. And I, I don't know, man. Since since it's the, the end of free agency, since we just had the Kawhi, DeMar, DeRozan trade, you know I got to go in my soapbox, so I'm going to hit you with this countdown starting in three, two, one. RIP to loyalty. I'm not one of those guys who, who you know is mad at, at a team for trading a player it's a business i know we all get it but i also hate when fans give organizations and teams the benefit of the doubt without giving uh the players the benefit of the doubt and i think that the the, the, the juxtaposition of Kawhi and demar Derozan in this trade that recently happened sending demar to the spurs the juxtaposition of those two players is, is beautiful and illustrates exactly why i never give the benefit of the doubt to the organization because everyone wants to say Kawhi, what are you doing you're ruining the spurs you're making them look bad you don't know what you're doing you're throwing away a good opportunity what's wrong with you Meanwhile, DeMar DeRozan gives his heart and, heart and soul to the organization of the Toronto Raptors, like pleads his, his undying love for this city, says, tweets out, I got us after Chris Bosh leaves, doesn't take a meeting, a free agent meeting with another team when he's a free agent, and takes a discount and gets traded for a rental. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have traded him. Hey, if Kawhi plays, they're probably going to go to the finals. And at the end of the day, that's all their objective is as an NBA team. But the way it went down with DeMar, telling him you're not going to trade him and and then trading him? <sighs> Look, man, I don't know what happened with Kawhi. I don't know what happened with Uncle Dennis. I don't know what he said to R.C. Buford or Greg Popovich. All I know is he didn't want to play for them. He doesn't play for them anymore. Similarly, I don't know what Masai Ujiri said to DeMar, but apparently, and Masai even admitted it, he told him he wasn't going to trade him and then traded him. If everyone in this business gets to do what they got to do to get better, so do the players. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's the buzzer. I'm out. This has been a great edition of Basketball Reasons. Thank you for listening. As always, please, uh, you can find us on iTunes. Rate, uh, review us, subscribe. Uh, Also on CastBox, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to debate me on something, if you want my opinion on something, uh, you can go ahead and hit me up on Twitter, at underscore Charles Diamond. Of course, if you have something that you want to know more about, you want me to do some research on, see what I can find out about, or if you have any questions, 
questions, want some clarification or corrections, I take constructive criticism very well. Um, go ahead and send us an email at basketballreasonspodcast at gmail.com. Um, other than that, it's been real. Good to be back. And hopefully, well, the hiatus won't be so long next time. Enjoy you guys this weekend.